Welcome to Not Only But Also. I am Lord and Master Renee Veronica <laughs> Bahati Klug. It might be my favorite yet. Might be my favorite. I am Nicole Cottrell. And this episode. Oh no. This one. Is about Lord and Masters, but not me. Uh, different kinds. Different kinds of Lord and Masters. This will be our first episode where we're actually responding directly to something that has happened in our country directly. Um, we're talking not specifically about the Atlanta shootings, but we're talking today about the arguments slash what defenses of the Atlanta shooting and the shooter. Mm-hmm. And the reason we're doing that is because it brought up and has brought up and kicked up so many things for so many people, for so many different groups of people. And Renee and I have been feeling these questions and arguments from people over the last couple We've of weeks. We've gotten into fights with people. You're not not really fist fights, no. but um, intellectual but Facebook wars. Facebook fist fights in which we were gaslit. Gaslit. What uh, does it mean to be gaslit? Mansplained. I was mansplained too. What does gaslit mean? Gaslit, um, making a person believe that they're crazy when they're not. Uh, Saying that what actually happened didn't happen. Yes, or accusing, this is projection, accusing you of being guilty of the thing that they are actually guilty of. This happened on my Facebook page. You can go and take Mm -hmm. a look at it. Um, A man who I haven't seen since high school, I graduated in 1995, decided to swagger on up to my piece on this Mm -hmm. and basically tell me that my piece was incendiary because not only did I say that the Georgia shooter was sexist in his behavior, but also racist. And that we in society need to pay attention to these things and not create a false narrative, particularly when we have Jesus. Okay, so you you started with the first. We're just going to go right at it. We're just going to go right at it. One of the very first things that I heard people saying, and who are these people? I don't know. I couldn't even pin them down, but I just heard it floating around. I, I saw it floating around. Was, I heard it from was actual that, people. Was that the shooting of six Asian women and two men in Atlanta – by a white man. 21? Son of a pastor. Um, coming out of the Southern Baptist denomination. Um, that the shootings were not racially motivated. Um, and why were people saying that? That they weren't racially motivated? A couple of reasons. Quite a few reasons, in fact, but one of them was because the shooter himself, and I'm not going to say his name. I don't even actually know his name. I don't know name. his name. It's three names. I, I'm not going to say his name. John Wilkes Booth. Would sure. Do. It's all the same. Um, the shooter himself came out and said that he was struggling with sex addiction and that these women to him represented temptation and that he needed to remove that temptation mm-hmm. in order to conquer his sexual addiction correct and people believed Mm -hmm. that he killed these women because he had a sex addiction Mm -hmm. now there's it raises so many questions number one 
when and why. And when and why. Do we believe the shooter? Well, and the reason that the shooter is giving for the things that they're doing. Yes, Renee, please go. My hand is raised. Uh Teacher. I'm I'm teaching. Who is a white man? (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. So, right out the gate, he gives his explanation, and people say, Oh, thank you for clearing that up for us. We believe your story. You have murdered six Asian women, but we are going to choose to listen to you mm-hmm. and the story that you are spinning and the sympathy that you want to garner. We're going to go ahead and do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 because the sheriff. Oh, oh, next one. Yes. Okay. Renee. What is because the sheriff said he was having a bad day? Ding, 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 ding. The sheriff said he was having a bad day. The... I mean, the police can totally advocate for constituents. It is that the sheriff coming out and explaining away this man's violent murder spree as a bad day speaks volumes on so many things in this country. It causes a special kind of rage in me Mm -hmm. to get kicked up. A special kind of rage. One of the things that it really does, and and we haven't really talked about it in any episode, but because we haven't gone into really talking about white supremacy and some of these topics specifically, but white people are often given the benefit of the doubt. Correct. More than people of color. And like the benefit of the doubt sounds like, whatever, what's the big deal? You're given the benefit of the doubt. But it's actually really powerful. It is. And when you're given the benefit of the doubt by law enforcement, and when you're given the benefit, and then that benefit of the doubt extends to the media, mm-hmm. and then that benefit of the doubt extends to people watching the media, what you've done is you've you've really tapped into the protection that whiteness gives. Renee. What is... <laughs> A double standard, especially in comparison to how police treated George Floyd and Elijah McLean. Correct. And Breonna Taylor. Correct. And Ahmed Arbery. Well, the police didn't in that case, but yes, those gentlemen that, not gentlemen, I always say gentlemen. But That's true. Those, it wasn't, but I think those people had those somehow affiliation with the police. Oh, you're one right. Point. One of them was ex-law enforcement. Yes. I believe that's, I believe that's yes. true. So, Alex. Correct. Ding, ding, ding again. Um... Yeah, do you have any reaction or thoughts on the he was having a bad day comment? Uh, <laughs> Specifically? <laughs> uh, well, yes, I do. Please share. To, to uh, give, like you say, the benefit of the doubt to somebody who was freely able to not just drive to one massage parlor, which they're not sure. We have, we'll have. we talk about this again, too, about whether these actually were sex workers and what the implications and ramifications there are. Mm-hmm. But that if he just had a bad day mm-hmm. and he was just trying to eliminate temptation, he actually drove many, many That's miles right. between these two establishments mm-hmm. 
And he passed by numerous strip shops, mm-hmm. strip shops, strip clubs, mm-hmm. sex shops. Mm-hmm. The whole, the whole. I'm sure lots and lots of right. massage parlors. That's what they say of, of all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Right. There this are plenty was, of other places between his two destinations that had sex workers or women that could have fallen into his gross category yeah. of tempting him. So when you say when when the sheriff, not you, when the sheriff is able to completely dismiss those facts of of overt intentionality. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. And specifically the shooter going to two places that he had been a client mm-hmm. of for for however many years. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was only 21. So I don't know how long he was going there. That to me is an aggressive act of violence Correct. against humanity mm-hmm. and against logic and against law and against everybody else who does not identify That's as right. a white male. Mm-hmm. So you that word you use, intentionality, that, that was the word for me. I thought so much about what in his mind it took to then knowingly go to one location where he specifically targeted with intentionality Asian women, then to drive to another location, passing all those in between, to f- to specifically target another group of Asian women. Um, it fills me with, and again, a special kind of rage and 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 real grief and sadness for what actually took place. But we were talking about this the other night, you and I, and I think Jonathan. If a if a black man had driven <laughs> to one location, went inside, specifically targeted and shot three white women dead, then got in his car, drove passing other establishments in between where maybe there weren't as many white women, and went to a second location where he went inside, again pulled out a gun and shot and killed three white women. America would have lost its effing mind. And that man would have been dead before the second location got. There would be no him being taken without... Incident. Incident. It wouldn't have happened. No. It wouldn't have happened. And then we have George Floyd being killed on the sidewalk under suspicion of using a counterfeit $20 bill. Well. Okay, so that's a whole nother conversation. But to think through that, that people had the the audacity to say that it wasn't racially motivated, should it be sh- so shocking? But I'm not really shocked anymore. Now I'm just, I kind of expect it. Well, that's not true. Part of me is uh, always surprised by people's reactions. Sometimes I'm, I'm still catching myself like, really? Mm-hmm. Really? And then another part of me is like, of course. Of course that's how they're going to respond. Of course that's what people are going to say. Why would you think otherwise? You know, in um, Pretty Woman, Pretty Woman, Pretty Woman, when she's flossing her teeth because mm. she has strawberry seeds and he comes in, Richard Gere comes in, and he's like, what are you What are you doing? He thinks she has drugs. And he's like, get out of here. She's like, what? I'm flossing my teeth. The strawberry seeds get stuck in my teeth. And he's like, oh. She's like, what? And he says, oh, people don't really surprise me. Surprise me. And she's like, well, you're lucky. They surprised the hell out of me. 
Mm. I feel like I'm both Richard Gere and Julia Roberts. Yeah. I'm like never surprised and constantly surprised. Yeah. And I think with this one, I felt, no, it actually was what happened in Boulder. I felt stunned, but not mm-hmm. shocked. Yeah. Um, but, oh yeah, Boulder also has happened in this time frame. We're right. at March 24th. So both of these things have happened this week. But so, Nicole, you say, you know, that the, that the sex addiction, of course, was driven by the racism. Mm-hmm. But let's, uh, am I allowed to pivot to another topic or should you, do you want to do that? No. Oh, I wanted to say one other thing about the benefit of the doubt before we right. move on from that so idea. Go there and then while I'll it's go on into- top, while it's in the front of my mind, is that um, the power of the benefit of the doubt is being treated as an individual. Hmm. That's right. Um, Ooh. Right? So that That's man- powerful. The shooter, he had his quote unquote bad day. He was treated in, as an individual, and the sheriff was saying, Oh, this one person, he had this one bad day, and this is how he responded. People of color tend to not be treated as individuals. They're lumped in with everyone else from their racial group, and we are told, Well, this person of color is just like every other person of color. This violent black offender is just like every other black violent offender slash black person. This Latino offender is just like every other Latino, right? Mm-hmm. And, and on and on it goes. The The power of the benefit of the doubt lets you be one person, an individual inside your racial group, but it doesn't generally apply to people of color. And so that's why we get these like, that's part of why we get these very minimizing gaslighting comments for people because people can look at that and be like, that's just one person, but they don't apply that to people of color. And you know what perpetuates this issue is when you have the president of the United States saying that it's a Chinese virus, mm. saying <laughs> that it's Wuhan. That's right. And the in the last year, in 2020, from March of 2020 to March of 2021, hate crime, specifically uh, verbal and physical violence against Asian Americans mm-hmm. has increased by 150 Oh, I saw a way bigger that number than that. I saw today. I read one hundred and fifty percent. So it could be different. I mean, that it's still be, sh- oh, there is something and really important that yeah. we need to say quickly. And, oh, yeah. and maybe Evan needs to like Photoshop this and put it at the beginning because it's photoshopping. That's you know what, what I he mean. Uses. Edit it out. <laughs> and so, um, and it's this. A yes, this was important. We are not experts on this subject, and no. the news is unfolding. As we speak. That's right. And so there might be some statistics. There might be, you know, I think uh, there were several white people who were killed uh, last week. There were, of course, two men. So there were a lot of different, uh, like one white woman was there getting a massage with her husband mm-hmm. and, and she was killed. a Latino man, I believe. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there, there are these kinds of things which we are not going to get accurate. Number two, neither Nicole nor I are... Asian women. I am South Asian and South Asian women are very, very different than women from other parts of Asia. And I need to make that distinction Mm -hmm. because yes, South Asian women receive a lot of racist pushback, Uh, but there are different kinds, and we're going to talk about this, of fetishism. Yeah, that it. occur mm-hmm. with specifically women from Asian nations, in this particular case, Korea, but also China, Vietnam, Japan, 
Uh, and and of course right. many many more. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just Thailand, of course, mm-hmm. is up there. So and that, that just to distinguish all of the different Asians, I think, is really really important. Yeah. And we are not centering any other Asian person or women, right? But except for the ones. And who- we're not speaking for the Asian community. We want we definitely want to be careful that we're not doing that. We really wanted to just be responding to a lot of the defenses and arguments we've heard post shooting and what that has kicked up like we said at the beginning of the episode what that's kicked up for a lot of people especially people in the church too Mm -hmm. okay so you we talked about benefit of the doubt we talked about it not being just uh, and that being you know their ability to say he's having a bad day Mm -hmm. but of course elijah mcclain his bad day resulted in his death um that's right you know going into the the intentionality now what, do you want to talk about the racism or the sexism next? Um, either is fine. I mean, it, it all ties in. It all ties together. And I think, yeah, the racism and the sexism do come into play, especially when you are able... Oh, the reason I brought up the president. Um, in the last year, the dehumanization mm-hmm. of people, not just from China, but people who may look Chinese, mm-hmm. which to many could be people who are not Chinese, That's right. right? Because of the levels of ignorance mm-hmm. in this country mm-hmm. and in many other countries. But where we don't, we can't even distinguish one from the other. Mm-hmm. Then what happens? So there's that dehumanization that happens. And then this this young man, this shooter, I'm not sure what where his sexual fetish was directed toward, but it seems like it was directed toward women who were Asian. Well, from what we know, he was just, he definitely frequented um, massage establishments and Mm. those establishments, especially in that area, tend to be, tend to have Asian women working there. Yes. And I need to make a quick pause here and say this. There is no proof that these were sex workers. Yeah, that the women that were there's no proof workers. of that. Right. They were people who were who were legitimately getting massages there. But I do want to make this point. There is a likelihood that if there are sex workers working there, it is because of the result of likely trafficking, mm-hmm. where these women actually have been quite disempowered. Mm-hmm. They probably are owned to some extent. Yeah. They don't have a lot of liberty or choice. And I even read here that this is from Yvonne Chen. She's an advocate for sex trafficking victims, and she works with Asian women who work at massage businesses, says that not all Asian women are willing to provide sex to their clients, but those who refuse are often attacked by their customers. Right. Many of the women who work at the salons are lured there with promises of good jobs mm-hmm. or travel visas to the United States. So in order to come here, you have to have a visa. And somebody, a lot of times, depending on what country you're from, you have to be sponsored by somebody here uh, in the United States before you're you're able to come. You have to have some sort of reason for being here, either school or job. All right? It is a very arduous process. 2020 made it worse. So they come here on these visas in the United States only to find out later that the job involves offering sex for tips. Right. They are often so indebted financially by the time they arrive because of these this visa negotiation that they see no way out. So the spa owners generally run as a loose network with women often spending only a few months at one spa before moving to the other 
or even another state to mm-hmm. work at a different one. So owners then often hold on to employees' passports and require them to pay rent as live-in workers. Right. That's from the New York Times. Yeah. And I think that is really, really important mm-hmm. to remember to humanize yeah. these women who were highly likely already victims. That's right. We can't say for sure, but I, I, we need to bring back humanity. I mean, at the at a minimum, we know that the shooter was um, frequenting frequenting those establishments. Whether or not he, whether or not the women that were murdered were sex workers, he intended to harm sex workers. Um, and you and I were talking about this during church, and or I was talking with everybody about it at church, and I posted something about it on your Facebook wall, but I thought a lot last week about how Jesus interacted with sex workers. And I mean, you know, scripture says prostitute. Um, I prefer to use the term sex worker, but he gave us such a very clear picture of the way that he saw women that were in that profession. And when we talk about the woman who came and anointed Jesus with oil, most scholars believe that that woman was a prostitute and or had been or had been at some point. And so she was shunned and the, the she comes in, she has this oil and it's so costly. It's worth all of her life savings, right? It's all of everything she has. And she just, she pours it on him. She anoints him. And the disciples are immediately judgmental. They're completely baffled they start questioning what she's doing they start shaming her but who's the one who shames her the most for wasting money do you remember i don't alex who is judas iscariot oh yeah that makes sense yeah it makes total sense she's she's wasteful she's wasting all this money she's shameful why would she be doing this also jesus why are you letting this prostitute or former prostitute anoint you and touch you and be with you and she was kissing his feet right and Jesus is immediately, he immediately silences them shaming. He immediately tells them to stop. And he instead chooses to edify her and honor her in front of everyone. And then we were talking about, then he said, like, basically he says, whenever, whenever the gospels are preached, her name will be remembered. Yep. And okay. here we are. And here we are in 2021. And I was thinking about that story. I read it in whatever gospel. I'm not good with remembering where things are, but I read it and I was just thinking about how completely countercultural, revolutionary, unbelievably love, grace, goodness. That Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And that, everyone, is actually Jesus. Yep. The, the counterfeit Jesus is the one who shames sex workers and makes excuses for sex-addicted shooters. Yes, because now we're coming into the subtext of purity culture. Yeah, that's which right. Which we're going to get to in a minute. But even the other part where I really want to highlight the, the cultural legacy of patriarchy mm-hmm. 
against women. And the story that I brought up on that Facebook post that was apparently incendiary was um, from <laughs> was so John offensive. was jo- from John seven fifty three to eight fifty. Wait, oh my goodness, John seven fifty three to John 8, 11. And it was the woman who was caught in adultery. And we don't know, did they drag her out afterwards? Did they drag mm-hmm. her out while she was still naked? I don't know what they did, but a bunch of men knew enough that mm-hmm. some woman was getting friggy right. with somebody else and didn't bring her lover out. Nope, brought mm-hmm. her out, mm-hmm. thrust her before Jesus, and essentially demanded that she be stoned in the middle of the street, according to the law. Now, they were trying to trap Jesus. So there, there is that uh, biblical context. It's a ha gotcha. Right? Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha Jesus. Gotcha, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? And this woman, keeping in mind her lover was nowhere to be found. That's right. There so was no one there. She is being defense. criminalized. That's right. Right? Publicly for, and shamed. And we don't even know. I mean, even looking, go back to David, a man after God's own heart. Right. He saw a woman bathing on the roof who mm-hmm. was married to another man. It's like, I have to have her. He went and he got her. Mm-hmm. He impregnated her and he killed her husband. Right. Did Bathsheba have any say in any of this? Mm-hmm. We don't know. There's an assumption you can make, though. Yeah. Flash forward, now we're with Jesus and this woman who, whether, however, whatever state she was in, is beside the point. And Jesus, knowing this crowd, looks at them and says, whichever one of you has not sinned, you can throw the first stone. Yeah. And to me, I'd never looked at it this way. And I, to me, I had this like... Because in going back to us, how so many of us, when we become Christians, we kind of... Uh, eclipse whatever our individual narrative or identities are to kind of take on the collective identity. So whenever I read this story, mm-hmm. I always took on the collective identity of, ooh, don't judge because right. you've sinned. Right. But I'm really looking at this now from a from a different lens, a very specific one dealing with identity, patriarchy, and power, and saying could Jesus have actually been holding them accountable? Mm-hmm. Now, he does tell her, right. go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. He does say that. Of course. I, I, well, I can't talk about that right now because I haven't fleshed it out. But I don't know. He, he calls them out. He says no. He protects her. He defends her. And the law that he came to fulfill said that they had yeah. the right to stone her. So mm-hmm. what do you make of that? Because to me, that story mm-hmm. says we do not shame women. Mm-hmm for these behaviors. Or, here's the other thing, mm-hmm. we do not criminalize these behaviors over other behaviors. Correct. I think both. I think that Jesus was um, absolutely, in the ways that he would do things, um, calling to task and bringing out and highlighting patriarchy without directly right saying, oh, by the way. I mean, he lived in a male-dominated culture that was historically accurate. So um, there were always ways that he was kind of circumventing mm. the powers that be. That's right. Wh- while still honoring God and still calling out sin and then still doing it in a loving, you know, at times he wasn't always loving. I mean, he was always loving, but he was very direct when he needed to be direct, but other times not as direct, right? In this instance, I think it's interesting to think about was he really pointing out some of the power of men over women. Absolutely. Even just the picture of one woman on the ground. I mean, we, we always picture she's on the ground. Men are circling around her, yelling at her. 
you know, who knows, cussing at her, spitting. I don't know. We don't know. It definitely was not some gentle scene. They ripped her out of wherever she was, threw her out in the public square. And I think there was some measure of violence to it. And and Jesus is there. He's on the scene and he he immediately flips it in a way that they were able to respond to, though. Mm-hmm. It wasn't – I mean, we don't – there's no account that then they got more upset or more aggravated or it was – it's actually silenced everyone. And, and he, they all walked away. They and dropped they, their right, rocks. They dropped and they their rocks away. and they walked away. Now, he was actually, I think there was, I think using the word accountable is so good because he says, if you were all, any of you who are without sin, like, did he know? I mean, we know that he would roll up on people and he would know what was going on in their life. And he would, the woman at the well, he knew her sin before he started talking with her. So in that time with those men, did he know something? Had the Holy Spirit deposited something into his mind and he maybe just had an insight? It's very possible. He might have just been flexing on them and been like, I know none of you are perfect. Even if he didn't have specifics, I know none of you are without sin. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. See what, you know, whoever's without sin. So either way, either way, I mean, it's really, I think, such a, beautiful picture of the force Mm -hmm. of him to intercede in power structures and very much so to stop a pattern of shame yep it's true and we know when we talk about sin it that's the greek the principle of missing the mark Mm -hmm. and i think that that's really important too that it's not just saying you're bad or you're evil but Mm -hmm. you missed the mark and i don't know what that meant for the women that they wanted woman that they wanted to stone because did she have a choice in her profession Mm -hmm. did she have autonomy i don't know i can't imagine that a woman in ancient israel would have autonomy when a woman in 21st century mm-hmm. United States does not always have right. autonomy. Of course. Especially because of the issue of trafficking. I mean, in so many ways, things haven't changed as much as we like to pretend that they have. Of course, things have changed. That's not what I'm saying. But when we talk about women who are trafficked and are here in our own country, trafficked and are there are women in every city across this country that are being enslaved – these statistics say there's more. There are more people enslaved now than there have ever been in the history of the world, and so we can pretend all we want that we've gone, we've come so far. Yeah, and people can even dismiss it and say, "Well, we have more people." But right. are you really comfortable with that dismissal? Right. I'm are not. you comfortable with the fact that it's okay that we have more people enslaved because we have more population? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's also. Let's just talk percentages, just just percentages, not of total population. But yes, but I mean, I'm no, say, I'm, I'm saying, trying to, I'm trying to. No, I know exactly some what of you're the saying. Arguments. I know exactly what you're saying. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Anyway, okay, so I don't know. We didn't talk about purity culture, but you. No, I think there's a good segue into purity culture because, um, we mentioned earlier. So this shooter was saying he needed to eliminate his temptation. And, and it was by actually killing these women. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were so many, a lot of people outside of mainstream evangelicalism, a lot of people that you and I both follow outside of mainstream um, churchianity, it really kicked up a lot of response from people on 
purity culture and the dangers of purity culture and the kind of very warped, gross, oftentimes um, behaviors that purity culture produces. And we've talked about purity culture. We have our purity culture episode. Um, But this is obviously an extreme situation. Like I'm not going to sit here and say purity culture uh, caused this man to go on a murderous rampage. I don't believe that. But I do believe that some very unhealthy purity culture theology got twisted up and mixed in with all his other bad stuff. And it was a contributing factor for sure. Yeah, I think so too. In the same way now, and going back to the idea of dehumanizing, mm-hmm. I think why Jesus is so significant and why his his role here and why I do believe that he is the son of God, because he empowers us to humanize people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So good. And and so when you take a look at the fetish, oh, I can't say this word. Can you I know. say it? Fet, fetish, I can spell it. Fet- fetishizing? Fetish, yeah. Fet- his fetishizing. There we go. I'll okay. make it into a yeah. uh, participle. That's the only way I can the, say it. I can't make it into a noun. <laughs> the fetishizing of these women because of whatever exoticism might occur, because of whatever otherness, mm-hmm. right? If I remove their humanity, mm-hmm. Right, whether whatever his actual uh, predilection was to attraction, right, and then if I further dehumanize them by blaming them for a behavior that's act, sex in and of itself is actually right. a natural mm-hmm. response to humanity. Yes, right? sex is actually natural and good. Yes, and healthy. So because he had a a desire for sex, Mm -hmm. but he had been taught by whatever system, purity culture, culture that that desire was wrong, right? that somehow or other, instead of recognizing or being taught, and listen, he could have mental health issues, he could have a lot of different things happening, we don't know. But instead of admitting, oh, this is actually a pure and holy desire, Uh somehow or other was contorted into his feeling like his only expression of it yep. could be in transactionally. That's right. Not relationally. Mm-hmm. Well, also because there's the aspect of having to hide it. Yes. It has to be secretive. It has to be hidden. And because it's secretive and hidden, it's dirty. Yes. And so now we have, now we've added this other um, dark element to something that's supposed to be good and holy, by the way, and he's hiding it secretively and going to places that he feels like he shouldn't be going to have those needs fulfilled. Okay, go on. Yeah. No, and real pressing women who have already been oppressed mm-hmm. and feeling as if he is the oppressed. That's right. He's oppressed because he has this desire and these women are a temptation for that desire even though he's using them to release quote unquote that desire but now they're the source of it okay Mm -hmm. so when you break that down and you distill that down that is straight purity culture because purity culture says that women women are responsible for male sex drive desire and lust Mm -hmm. right now there's no churches coming out straight like from the pulpit like, hey, by the way, ladies, you are all responsible for your men for men's sex drive. Oh, that one dude that we talked well, about last dude, episode. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, kind of he did. And yes. 
But like we know in college, our college groups, our high school groups, when we talked about our purity culture episode, we were, it was communicated to us that like I was told I can't wear a bikini on a college, college <laughs> retreat, not high school, mind you, college. I'm an adult. I can't wear a bikini because I'm going to tempt my brothers on the beach in my bikini because my my posture is responsible for their sexual health. Mm-hmm. And and the reason why that is such a, I mean, this is it's a little bit of a joke, but there are plenty of people who like feet, not necessarily <laughs> boobs, right? Yes. So I'm like, so wait, so now if you've had a foot fetish, right. I can't wear flip flops. I have to cover my feet all the time, right? So it's this automatic assumption, of course, criminalizing the specific body parts. Yes, can't accentuate this or That's that. Absolutely part of it. And when you realize, so I taught in Madagascar, and when I was there, women could freely breastfeed. Mm-hmm. And I was teaching one day, and a woman brought in her baby and breastfed that baby in my class. And yes. I was like, yes. <laughs> but guess what? I could not show my knees. Yes. Knees so interesting. Were for showing of a woman's knees forbidden. were forbidden then. And that was 2008. So, and so I had to make sure that all of my clothes covered my knees. But you can take out a breast if but you're you a baby. But you can pop out your boob. Right. No big deal. Now, it was in the context of nursing a child. No, I know. But it just, says a lot. You know. It still communicates But here, the idea, I remember I would get culture. glares when I would whip a boob out with a cover. Of course, because it's America. Right? Heaven with a forbid, cover. Heaven forbid someone see a breast on the street that a baby is partaking of. So this is another layer That's right. of purity culture, which happens to become very American uh-huh. with this whole idea that there are certain things that we are going to villainize or criminalize. Mm-hmm. And and now, and then we're creating a bigger deal over them. That's right. And when when that might not actually be the problem, but it's the scapegoat. Absolutely. That's very well said. And that is... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, because basically every man, in order to prevent me from stumbling, needs to stop smiling. <laughs> because I happen to really like teeth. Teeth, teeth are where it's at, right? I think I think yes, you have nice sure. teeth. I think you're really attractive, right? But we're not allowed to flip the script. You can't do that. No. Also, because men, men are the ones with actual sex drives, Renee. It's right. not me and you. We don't have sex drives. It's the male sex drive that drives the train. And it's the women who throw the coal into the train engine. Mm. That's it. That is it right. is a one-way track. It's the man track. Ladies don't have a sex drive. We don't have a sex drive in comparison to men. We don't want sex like men do. And men should get to do whatever they want with the woman female body because they're the ones that actually want sex. Yeah. And this is for another episode. We need to oh. actually, this is actually a good idea. It's actually already on my list. Good. This will be but purity culture have episode. A lot of sex drive. Purity culture or sex drive episode one, because two, three. In my community, I actually know a lot more women who have higher sex mm-hmm. drives than the men in That's their right. lives. We've and this they is have just made to feel they have been made to feel guilty exactly. if they are in the Christian It's just community. the narrative, it's the narrative that's been given. It's the narrative that we've so heard. So to even say that once we start desiring it, so it's okay if you pay for it. Right. Right. But if you actually want it, mm-hmm. that's exactly right. We have a problem. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I I think we're still on track here, but I We're on track. Good. And Okay, so can I can I switch? Gears I wasn't going to say a thing. Okay. I was trying to find my thought. Okay, so I feel I feel like we've covered all of that so well, and then you just touched on when we started talking about this 
last topic, you touched on the fetishizing. Of I think it's fetish fetish sizing of I don't know what the heck Asian it is. women, which has a longstanding history in this country, and I mean I can think of so many images I've seen over my lifetime of Asian women in scantily clad clothes or like in bare midriffs or short skirts or this or that or um they're very often made to look in these idealized photos to look um adolescent Mm -hmm. of adolescent age right okay so do you have a thought no okay you're leading me to one so it's um this is something that's been built into american culture and i don't think a lot of people up until right now have really even thought about it like how it's actually a it's actually a pretty cultural image that's embedded in American nasty. history. It is nasty. And, 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 and it has roots in all kinds of things. It has roots in imperialism. And it has roots, you know, from World War II. It has all kinds of stuff and things that I don't know about because, like I said, we're not experts. I don't know all of the history of it. But, um, but when you think about that too, when I have heard people saying one of the things that – when we talked about people saying it, that it wasn't racially motivated, I heard people saying it's not racially motivated because he was having sex with them. Excuse me? Oh, you didn't hear that one? Oh, I did. Oh, yeah. But I needed to have an appropriate uh-huh. response to an inappropriate uh-huh. comment. So people were saying, and I heard a couple of people say this, well, he, the shooter couldn't be racist because he was having sex with w- Asian women. You can't be racist towards a group <laughs> if you're having sex with them. Mm. And I have so many thoughts. I won't share them all. Um, I invite you to. I will just say it is so grossly wrong and inaccurate. And as a side, slave owners had plenty of sex with their slaves. Oh, yes. And then the next day they would treat them like actual cattle. So in many ways, and this was something I had posted in response was proximity does not eradicate racism. And in fact, and I saw someone else post this later who whose name I should pull up because I just started following this gentleman and he's great. Um, I'll find his name. But um, proximity in a lot of cases actually helps maintain mm-hmm. and underscore racism. Yeah. Because if you go in with racist ideals already about a people group and then you're just around that, that people group, that doesn't you're you can just be choosing to let certain behaviors or actions reinforce what you already believe. Mm-hmm. That's not how racism is eradicated. It's not through being around something or someone. It's through questioning your own bias. It's through letting your heart be actually changed and transformed. It's through humanizing people and seeing actual people, mm-hmm. individuals, all the things that we talked about earlier. And so for people to even breathe the words that this man could not have been racist because he was sleeping with them is so misguided Or at least wanted to sleep with them, right? We don't know how many of them he actually <sighs> yeah, slept with. That's right. You're right. We don't actually know. And I, yeah, I, I, he could have not at all. He could, they could have just been a temptation, quote unquote, temptation to him. Um, so desire, sexual desire does not negate racist thinking. Mm-mm. Okay. That's a separate comment. That was Are it. you going to bring in Sonia Renee Taylor's bit? Because I mean, I can. Powerful. I so think good. you should. If, 
it, and we have to link to it in our show notes because it is just so clearly articulated. I mean, I wish I could just play it, but I can't. But Why can't you? Can you? I mean, no. Okay. I don't know. Oh, um, yeah, copyright. Sonia Renee Taylor, if you are looking for someone to follow on Instagram – who she's an activist she's an author her book is the body is not an apology um she says she's committed to radical self-love as a path to liberation and she's definitely probably one of my favorite activists and black voices um around period but she put out a little video i encourage you to watch it it's like four minutes long in response to the directly into the atlanta shooting but directly to people saying that it wasn't racially motivated she says essentially that all white male violence is rooted in white supremacy um, by virtue of whiteness and that a white man going and shooting four or six Asian women, excuse me, is inherently racist. It can't be anything but that. And that the way that we treat people, then the people we choose to react to on our quote unquote bad days speaks to the raciality of ourselves and the people that we're talking about so she's saying if a person if you're treating a person whoever you choose to treat as disposable mm -hmm. if you treat someone as disposable and you treat that person as disposable on your worst day your bad day that speaks to your thoughts and feelings about race and we know that this was a white man who on this bad day i hate saying bad day because it's not true but you know i'm using air quotes was to on his bad day was to go and murder six asian women so I'm not doing it justice. I'm not saying it as well as she did at all. I would encourage you to listen to it. But for me, it was very striking and just put like a exclamation point on what I'd already been feeling and thinking. Yeah. And after we release this episode, we'll reshare that in our stories because I think it is mm, yeah, that's important idea. to to listen to her articulate that because also remember in, in line with what Nicole was saying about proximity, that this man may not have been an overt racist. Mm -hmm. What sh Sonia Renee Taylor, what we mm -hmm. are talking about is the racist system yes. of inherent white supremacy that has been, that is the fabric of the United States. Now, this will cause a lot of contention. The executive order that Trump put out in September on my birthday of all <laughs> days, that Biden uh, re rescinded rescinded the day that, not on my birthday, but mm -hmm. you know, my born again day. Um, just kidding. <laughs> that's not true. Um <laughs> It felt like it, but that <laughs> Trump um, put this executive order out that you couldn't talk about racist, racist systems or patriarchal systems. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, if you can't do that, nothing will ever change. Right. And I think that's something I want to make clear here, that even that guy who got all in a fraught on my Facebook page, mm -hmm, something mm -hmm. in him got triggered. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I, I can't say what it is because he'd never... Uh, got real enough to actually have a conversation. He was just busy throwing stones, which is ironic because I was talking about people throwing stones in that post. Yeah. Um, and Jesus stopping them. But the idea that maybe somehow he felt it as incendiary because he kept taking it personally, my saying racist and sexist. Right. And I was not making a personal to anyone statement. I was making a collective statement. Mm -hmm. So people tend to get very, very upset when they feel criminalized. But, but don't worry if we criminalize Asian women who work in a massage parlor. All right, we, we can criminalize them. Just don't criminalize me. Mm -hmm. 
So that's what we're talking about here. This fact that it's okay to do it to other people, but it's not okay to do it to us. If you have ever met anybody who mm. thinks that way, if you have ever thought that way, you are probably present in a racist, white supremacist, patriarchal, and highly likely capitalistic society. It is entrenched. And unless you are a woman, a person of color, or both, uh, mm. or anybody from a marginalized community, sometimes it is very, 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 very difficult for you to see that system in the same way Neo could not see that he was part of a flawed system until he was unplugged from it. Always bringing it back to Keanu Reeves. Listen. Always bringing it back to Keanu. It's a legit, it's a legit. No, listen, the Matrix we were talking about before, it holds up. It's a, it's a good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll even mention that Evan was talking about how Evan is a white male and he has, he has neoed himself. Like he is now recognizing that he is part of this system and there is a cognitive dis dissonance and he does have to really, he has to unlearn in order to relearn. And, and he was saying that he was listening, he sometimes listens to people who still have this kind of white patriarchal narrative. They're, you know, these talk show kind of characters. And, and Evan was saying that he likes to listen to the other side to see how much he's grown, if you will, right? To see how much he's come out of and kind of level set where his current thinking is. Am I doing your, you justice, Evan? For the most part, sorry. And I was thinking, <laughs> if anybody put on that radio talk show host in front of me, unless I'm in my academic brain, I am going to be triggered. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I came out of that system experientially. Right. And so when I hear men trying to re-oppress me, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> no. No, thank you. It's not going to happen. But Evan, as a white male, is able to hold those two things because he takes ownership for his not explicit but implicit responsibility as a member of the, the, an oppressive regime. Those are hard words, but I'm saying them. And I'm not taking them back. Also, as you were saying that, I was thinking about how the power of the benefit of the doubt, that, well, that idea applies here too, because generally, you know, white people aren't grouped together and that's not something that they're used to or comfortable with. So when you get pushback from this fellow on your Facebook page and when you're just using the general broad we term, that is offensive mm -hmm. and there's something in people that gets kicked up because they don't want to be grouped together with anyone else. You're not used Ooh. to being grouped together with all your other white people. Because you have privilege. Because you have privilege so you don't get grouped together with all the other white people, right? That's good. And That's so that good. gets kicked up and people are like, well, why are you saying we? Don't say we. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not racist. I'm not. No, maybe you aren't directly, but you're still in the system. Mm -hmm. And as a member of that system, you have the ability and the power to should you choose to wield it, should you choose to neo it to stop and and do the work and learn and address your bias and do all of the things that we're talking about? Well, we yeah. haven't even talked about all those things. But anyway, that's the you thought have. that came to my mind. Yeah. And, and it is very, it's uncomfortable. It's mm -hmm. uncomfortable to be compared to a group, to a system that you can feel very detached from, that you can say you're not a part of, that you can say, I haven't done these things. I haven't even explicitly done these things. You maybe haven't. 
I absolutely, and I'm sure we talked about this. I'm sure I mentioned on our very first episode on race. I'm, I benefit from the system of whiteness because I'm white presenting and because people very often just look at me and assume I'm white. Most white people assume I'm white. I benefit from that system and I have been able to move in and out and through that system in ways that have given me lots of privilege in my life. I fully acknowledge that. And I also know on the flip side of that, that my privilege in doing that also comes with a responsibility to do work and speak up and be, you know, a voice where and when I can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you said it well. And I think you wrapped it around beautifully. Listen. And I think that this is an ongoing conversation. Absolutely. Where if anybody, no matter, I don't care if you lack all privileges, if you are a poor black woman who is lesbian, all right. I don't care who you are. You also have a bias. Mm-hmm. And when I mm-hmm. talk about mm-hmm. we, mm-hmm. it's a collective. We know different members have different levels of power and all of that is negotiated. But there will be no change to mm-hmm. a systemic issue without a systems change that is enacted by the majority of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Listen. I thought we were going to have to talk for two hours, but we were so succinct we were. and to the point. And <laughs> if we don't say so ourselves, if we don't say so, if I don't pat myself on the back, we just went through it. I'm sure there's stuff we wanted to talk about that we didn't get to, but I feel, I also feel like it felt really good to say those things out loud because yeah. we've been feeling, I mean, we've talked. But to really, and I cried on mm-hmm. Saturday. Yeah, you did. I cried. And we repented. We lamented. We, lamented, in we lamented and we repented as a church. And I felt really heavy. And it, But I feel a different kind of lightness right now. I think that I hadn't let myself feel as angry. I had just been feeling sad. But I feel like I got some just frustration out in just talking through this right now. And that feels good because I know God is angry and weeping. And there's room for both. And that's okay. Yeah. And right now I want to speak to any people who are in the church. We need to repent. We need to repent. Mm -hmm. And we need to recognize that we can no longer scapegoat bad behavior. Mm -hmm. And we have to recognize that we have to rehumanize humans, rehumanize Mm -hmm. humans, rehumanize people, Mm -hmm. especially people who are doing things that Jesus said. Well, even if we think these things in our heart and don't actually do them, that's right. We too are guilty. Yeah. So say what you will about visiting so and so, paying for whatever, killing so and so. You may not be guilty of any of those behaviors, but so many of us are guilty of lust, of theft, mm-hmm. of hate of criminalizing people because of their skin color, their anatomy, their sexual or what they do with their anatomy, their Mm -hmm. sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. To God, it is all the same. And so we have to make a change. And it starts with the church, in my opinion, and it starts with us repenting. Yeah. And actually, Eugene Cho, um, who I just really admire – um talked about that he prayed for the shooter and the shooter's family and 
It was after we had prayed as a church. And when we prayed as a church on Saturday, we had prayed for the victims and the victims' families. And we did repent and all of that too. But I read Eugene Cho's post afterward and I was, you know, I was convicted and I, I was like, Lord, like, first of all, Eugene Cho is an Asian man, okay? Mm-hmm. A godly Asian man. And he prayed for the shooter and his family. And I was like, oh, I do not want to do that. But I felt this conviction like, when Jesus said, pray for your enemies, he was not mincing words. He actually meant that. And I just stopped and I prayed for that man and his family. And like, I don't like it. That's yeah. not, that's not, that's not the part of Christianity that I enjoy. Yeah. But everything we're talking about, you know what that did? That humanized that man for me. Yeah, it's so true. It made him a human when I stopped to pray for him and I was thinking, one of the reasons that Jesus asks us to do that is because he wants us to humanize everyone, true. including our enemies. What? He's just, yeah. it's so out of what I'm capable of doing on my own without him. It's unbelievable. And I will admit I was not there until you just spoke that. And I am so angry right now yeah. at the church. That was my repentance. Yeah. I am. I, I'm not yeah. even ready to repent yet. I'm just ready to admit yeah. how angry yeah. I am right now with the, the church at large. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think something to also point out was that it was this man's parents. His father mm-hmm. apparently is a pastor and I'm not sure what his mom does, but you know, in the church system, she's a pastor's wife. Right. And which, sorry, I know that was, that had some venom in it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm working on it. But they called the cops to say, we think this is our son. Mm-hmm. And and I want to get I, that. Whoa, yeah, that would I know. be difficult I can't to even do imagine. as a parent. I can't even imagine. And I'm I'm proud of them. It's heartbreaking. For doing it's heartbreaking that. all around. And I'm not, I don't want to pretend like it's not. I There's a lot lost yeah. in so many ways. And it's brought up so many ways in which I feel like, I don't want to keep saying like, we're failing and the church is failing, but just stuff that, man... We are missing it. We're yeah. missing it. Yeah. And we can do better and we are better. Yeah. And and I forgot there's one more thing I want to say because I do think this is important. I had a friend call me on Saturday and she was really, really mad because she happened to be on a prayer team. So she had to go to online church on Saturday and the pastor was doing a series mm-hmm. and Saturday's series happened to be on sexual purity. Now, why a pastor in his right mind would mm-hmm. choose to continue yeah. Yeah, that on conversation, that, that conversation on that without pivoting right. or at least addressing right. is beyond me. Yep. But whatever, ostriches can remain ostriches until they realize that they should be otherwise, right? I don't know. That was supposed to be... <laughs> that's going on a t-shirt. That's going on a t-shirt. <laughs> so, but what she was so angry at was that part of this god it's so angry part of this man's message was this and those of you who have been sexually abused or violated god can cleanse you of that as well too (gasps) right and she was triggered and i was triggered that's triggering that is triggering because the the insinuated What's 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 the? It's not even an insinuation. It, the, yeah. What's the other word? Not in the the the. I don't know. The Just, accusation. Yeah, accusation. That straight up that this that you have to be cleansed of sexual abuse of sexual abuse that you ever even did anything uh-huh, of and abuse. I will transfer that 
to sex workers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will transfer yes. that all day long mm-hmm. to sex workers. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. You do not have to be cleansed if you have ever been violated, whether you are male or female identifying as anything. You do not have to be cleansed for a violation against you. Mm-hmm. Now, healing, yes. Healing is different. Very different. He- no. Cleansed, forgiven, washed clean? Absolutely not. But you know who does is the Christian church Mm -hmm. and the country of the United States of America and any other ideology that aligns itself with blaming the victim Mm -hmm. and excusing perpetrators. Yeah, that's what we sat and watched happen. And I think enough people have spoken out against it i think people are starting to see patterns see these patterns more easily now and call them out more easily and it makes a difference i know it probably feels like it doesn't but when people make these little side comments like it wasn't racist you can't be racist he was having sex with them oh you know whatever they were a temptation to him all these little things we hear it really does make a difference to check yourself check your brain and say is that do i believe that do i hold that to be true and or even get to the point of saying to the person, no, that's not true. Let's have a conversation about that. Can we have a conversation about that? Because here's what I believe. I'm not talking about in an argumentative way. I'm talking about listening to people and hopefully having them listen to you because yeah. these these incidences will not stop. Yeah, They will not stop until these systems are dismantled. That's right. That's it. And you know, and we're probably going to have to have a, a, a we got to figure it out before we could have a podcast, but on the docket, <laughs> uh, a, a podcast in which we talk about whether or not to have the hard, hard, when to say no to a conversation and when to proceed. Oh, an episode on that? An episode saying? on yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, should I say or should I should say I no say now? Or should I go now? <laughs> no, should I say or should I say no now? Yes. Okay. My, that went down right now in the notes. <laughs> and uh, Stay tuned. So- that's, you know, that's another thing because I think part of this conversation on racism, sexism, mm-hmm. capitalism, it comes, it has to come with boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Oh, that's good. That's another, that's another topic for another day too. It is. Yeah, I know. So, so many. many things to talk about. Anyway, well, we love you. We thank you. We appreciate you. And we hope to hear from you, even if it's just questions. I don't know that we can answer them, but we appreciate uh, many of you who have reached out, who have private messaged us, who have mm-hmm. been, who've, who've like um, cried out in anger and lament yeah, and all of those things. We hear you and we uh, appreciate you. We continue to also just pray for the Asian American community, for the victims' families. And um, we did post in our Instagram stories some resources Um in ways to help support the Asian community. But maybe I'll repost some of those too in the next week. And because um, I think it's important. So. And maybe we'll put them in story highlights. Yeah, so you can I can do that. That's a good them. idea. So, all right. Well, peace. In the Middle East. And in the United States. Let it be. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. We're so glad you're here. Please rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us for other people to find this podcast. Tell everybody you know on the planet. Tell your mama. Call your your daddy. Tell your daddy. Call your cousins. Let them know. That's what we should do. Oh, at Noba Podcast Everywhere.